Welcome to Not Alone, a podcast about faith and well-being. It is 2022, and we are so glad you're listening. And in the spirit of the new year and New Year's resolutions, we will be talking in this episode about motivation. How do you find the emotional energy to accomplish both long-term goals and everyday tasks? Do you even really need motivation to get things started in the first place? To welcome you to another year of corny jokes and conversations about emotional health, here are Michael McCord, Evan DeYoung, and Lindsay Geist. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another wonderful episode of the Not Alone Podcast, the podcast that explores faith, well-being, off-topic conversations, hanging out with friends, doing good things, making your life better, living life with God. It's awesome. I'm Evan DeYoung, and I'm joined here with Lindsay Geist and Michael McCord. Say hey to the people. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another year. That's right. It's a new year. Yeah, or at least happy new year, everybody. When we're recording this, it's a, well, I guess it'll be a new year for you, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Everyone gets a new year. You get a new year. You get a, you new, get a, year. New, year. a new year. Everybody. New year. New season, half Goodness. season. It's my it gift be, to you. It may be a new year, but our brains may still be in the previous year at the rate that we're going. <laughs> yes, I think my the official term in my household is pudding brain, um, where my brain has turned into pudding. So uh, pudding brain in mind. It's a good segue I think, yeah, for our here topic. in Georgia, it's called pudding. Pudding, pudding. brain. <laughs> I've got grits Leave brain. the G off that. Yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. Uh, so this, this, this episode, we're going to get to talk about motivation and habits. I'm really excited. You know, there's a a little bit of a New Year's theme. Obviously, some people make New Year's resolutions. When you're listening to this at this point, uh, you will have probably a pretty good read and assessment on how your New Year's resolutions have been going. Uh, The the timing of this release, you'll have enough time to know if uh, you're sticking with it or not. So it's not really about New Year's resolutions, though. It's about motivation and habits. So I'm curious. Right, because somebody on this podcast does not condone new year's resolutions it's who do you not think that, that is I, it's not that i don't condone them i just kind of they annoy me they they really bother me because we like get to this new year and we i know i have strong feelings we're tell so us, boxing tell like us it is why? early it is early 2022 and i'm already on a soapbox today let her rip <laughs> michael would you interview Lindsay about her oh, tell, tell us what you don't like about them um, I feel like we have this whole catchphrase, new year, new you, and I, it may be a new year, but like, I'm still me. I'm the same me as I was the previous year. Evan's laughing so hard because I, this is a serious soapbox for me that I don't think there's anything wrong with our old selves that we don't have to like wake up and change just because the calendar changed. Wow. I have some feelings about this. Wow. I'm it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you tapped into something. Here, is it maybe that I feel like I'm so far gone with my habits and personality that the idea of a slash and burn emotionally is more exciting to me that there would be new growth instead of having to deal with all my old problems? It's like uh, walking into. I think that you know the concept of a blank slate. I can see how that would be really enticing, of like, okay, we're leaving the whole past behind and we are just starting fresh. I think where I struggle is that that is not realistic, that it's not like we just wake up and we're different people. 
And so acting like we, nothing ever happened previously is, uh, both not helpful and somewhat harmful. Uh, I did not realize this whole episode, I was going to start off feeling so strongly in the new year. Um, Lindsay, how am I going to be constantly disappointed with my idealized view of how my life should have turned out and how different it is from my reality without pushing the reset button for two weeks at the beginning of every year <laughs> to give myself a fighting chance to then have a long, drawn-out disappointment? I know. I, I mean, I think you named that perfectly of that our New Year's resolutions can be done in a really healthy way. I believe that they can. I think oftentimes we have taken them in a way that we probably spend more energy just being disappointed in ourselves. Um, And blank slates also mean that if we erase everything in our past, then we erase the good as well as the bad. And so that's where I wrestle with the idea of a blank slate and starting over because I really want us to bring some of our past with us, that there are some beautiful, wonderful moments. I mean, even this, this sounds crazy, but like, I don't want to pretend like the pandemic never happened either because there's some beautiful things that happened as well as hard things. I don't want to pretend like 2021 didn't happen when we start January one in 2022 because there were some beautiful moments. Okay, so what I hear you saying is that <laughs> that, that was a really good therapist uh, segue. I'm going to have to mute myself. I go. I, <laughs> I took a year of pastoral care and counseling, my friend. So what I hear you saying and I'm married to a therapist. So what <laughs> which makes me <laughs> something i don't know um <laughs> i like that you didn't say qualified you're just like makes me something <laughs> this makes me something i know all the right things and don't know how to use them it's like having all the weapons but not knowing how to use them correctly i don't know but oh, anyway goodness. we digress what i hear you saying though is that new year's resolutions um while could be beneficial in the sense of improving oneself or making some decisions to make some significant changes oftentimes lead to dismissing or undervaluing or devaluing your whole self and all that you've been through to be where you are today. Yes. And I think that sometimes it gets, has us in a place where we become so fixated on the person that we want to be, that we are discontent and, um, disappointed with our present selves. Like we cannot see any good in our present. I will be good and healthy when I get to this one place instead of uh, one of my favorite phrases, a both and concept. We Mm. can be good and uh, worthy and valuable people now and want to make even healthier choices. Um, But it doesn't have to be a dichotomous bad now, good future. took me 34 so, years and somebody could have told me that earlier <laughs> <laughs> you didn't invite me to come stand on a soapbox to kick off 2022 earlier give you carte blanche soapbox rights for my life oh. I, I, I do think you're really on to something 
that it's worth uh, our time just to just to sit and think about is how much. Now I'm an improvement guy, right? I'm my I, I do consulting work to help organizations improve themselves. I am a three on the Enneagram, which means that I'm I can always be better, and I'm always going to chase being better. I find fulfillment in being better, um, and so I firmly believe that humans can improve. We can do we can do better, and that doing better is 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 can be a good thing. But I, what I hear you saying that I think is really important is that in our chase of being better we dismiss the real, the goodness of who we are right now and we we can't we can't fully see and appreciate all that we are because we're consumed with what we aren't yeah i i really think that that's it um and this idea that we're always chasing growth um that we can't ever value just being and I think that there's something really beautiful about sometimes pla- plateaus are not all bad. Mm. So, so can I be a little, I'm going to be honest with you guys. You might, I, when I was often, when I sit down and I think about my future self, I long for the days and I don't know why I always think I have to be old, which my kids would say I already am old. Um, <laughs> but that that I could just be content with who I am. Hmm. Like that, that to be able to sit, I don't know why my image is to be able to sit in a rocking chair and be perfectly content with who I am, how I look, this the, my body type, my profession, my 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 sense of financial security, my emotional, relational security. Like there's this deep longing inside of me when I think about the future for a day in which I do experience that contentment. Is that, do others feel that way? That's real talk, baby. Do you think that you've ever glimpsed those moments along the way? I would say yes. A soft yes. <laughs> <laughs> because I wonder if part of, I mean, this real talk of this one day self being content. Mm. I I wonder if it's also this uh, idea of kind of stillness that we have or a reduced level of busyness and responsibility that we have someday that makes it that we really long for. And the reason I asked if you've ever glimpsed it, um, times when we have, I I notice it most in people when we're on vacation or something detached somewhat from our lives, our busyness of everyday life, that we can just go, oh, I am in the moment and just being and embracing this. Um, And we get those glimpses but then we get hit with all this responsibility and moving parts and things like that again. And then we've decided it's elusive and way in the future. And so how do we bring those glimpses mm-hmm. more often or find those uh, 
find and create those moments more often. So it's not just when we're on the rocking chair someday. So you're saying to me that I need to start a new year's resolution to be still more. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying that you are not good enough now and <laughs> you need to wipe your past. Uh, you know, Disregard my busy self. Give them uh-huh. both barrels, Lindsay. My former self and be born again anew as a still and quiet soul. So I New Year's resolutions, I believe that having goals or wanting to create new habits uh, can be really healthy. I wrestle with this concept that it has to happen somewhere between December 31st and January 1st, that there's something magical about that. I don't think that there is. Um, Also, I think that uh, I saw a meme the other day that January 1st to about the 7th or so, uh, they should call onboarding that you're like preparing for the year and not actually in the year yet. Um, so I don't think that you, it doesn't need to be your new year's resolution, but what kind of small steps and baby steps, I think every new habit should start with baby steps. Let's not say like, I'm going to be content all the time and just sit in my rocker and be happy. But how can you intentionally maybe once a week, look back and say, here were the moments where I had glimpses of contentment. Yeah. One of the, one of the practices that, uh, that uh, came across in one of my courses I took um, over the last couple of years was this idea of, of your, your sort of your daily two sentence journal. Mm-hmm that you write, you know, every day before you wrap up your day is you write two sentences of things that, you know, that kind of captured the day um, so that you could go back and, and look and see where you've come. Um, And I think, you know, I, I think those are, those are really good. Those are moments where I'm disciplined enough to do those things. You could go back and you can see, wow, you know, this is, this has been a good year. There are these, these are the things that I have done that were meaningful. Mm-hmm. and restorative so so evan you're just watching us a whole bunch i mean we're all on zoom together and evan's just kind of giving the stare down like oh goodness y'all are deep in the thick of it what are your thoughts evan i'm just learning i i, I got to watch you flip the therapist switch which is <laughs> always fun and i got to see michael who loves being asked questions and just longs for someone to ask him questions his entire life because he loves thinking through things get to answer which was great so i i was just i was just in a place of contentment really no what i was doing was trying to avoid evaluating my my own self that's right (laughs) who wants to guess how old new year's resolutions are oh um you did some history homework? Uh, you know, that's my job. I know, I love it. Just to... I'm gonna say I'm gonna say 50 years. All right. I think New Year's resolutions are twelve hundred years old. Now, fifty years is way too recent now that I'm doing math backwards. That would put us at nineteen seventy. Because yeah, your parents probably had New Year's resolutions and they're probably at least I mean, 50. 
<laughs> Probably. Probably. Just in um, case you're listening. I <laughs> Probably. Uh, Lindsay's parents, I think you're 50. So. <laughs> oh, um, okay. So I think that they were probably started in the, let's say in the 40s. You both are way off. They go back 4,000 years to the Babylonians. What? The Babylonians. I was so close. You were so close. Babylonians uh, had a practice uh, at their new year. Their new year was in March, about mid-March. And it they had a celebration of New Year's resolutions. And they were in essence, um, it their new year fell right after the crops were, their, their crops were sowed, uh, planted. Here's the word I was looking for. Sowed is like a good biblical word, you know. Yeah, Sow mm-hmm. your crops. Works. Um, it works, but who talks about I mean, it's the word? I don't know if there's any farmers uh, that listen to us. That'd be let us know if you describe planting your fields as sowing your crop. I'd be interested to know if anybody talks that way. But anyway, <laughs> they would right after that the crops were were planted, they would offer up these commitments about how they were going to live, so that in hopes that the gods would be fruitful for them and that the rain would fall and the sun would come out and their crops would, would grow. And they promised to live anew and be different uh, in hopes that that bargaining would help um, their creators sustain them and their crops. We definitely which, kept the bargaining component. We do right. Which, which mm-hmm. actually, so the reason I bring this up is because I think there's a lot, I mean, you know, a lot in our culture is tied to religion, whether we know it or not, whether we're, whether we identify as a religious or not. Um, it, there's a lot of religious practices wrapped up in orig- religious ideologies and, and thoughts wrapped up in the things that we do. Um, and I think New Year's resolutions um, have a lot to do with that. I think they're deeply wrapped up with this um, discontent of ourselves, like you mentioned, um, and also probably a belief that the, that other people and their God, their creator, that our creator is also displeased with us. And that we aren't living up to who we should be. And so we we embark on a new year with this new bargain with ourselves, with our creator, with our community, that we're going to be better versions of ourselves than we were before. Um, and and so those, those things, I think, are kind of like deeply entwined. So it's interesting to go back and think that actually this whole practice came out of a religious tradition. But uh, But I think it's a big part of how we think about this. It's so fascinating how rituals that we do um, may, I mean, depending on, regardless of how they start, there can be healthy versions of it and unhealthy versions of it. Um, Wanting to improve and be healthier and more whole versions of ourselves in and of itself is not a bad thing to want. Um, And can be really biblical that we want to be growing and molded and open to change and, um, and all of that, but we've twisted it in a lot of ways of, um, that this change is required for us to be worthy Mm -hmm. or us to be valued. Mm -hmm. And that's where it gets really dangerous, right? Yeah. Like it's one thing to be, to want to be better um, for your own health and the health of your community. It's a different thing to think that your betterness is wrapped up in your worth Mm -hmm. or your worthiness is wrapped up in how good you can be. Mm -hmm. 
So the, the reason I thought about it was I, I, I was asked to teach confirmation at a church. And for those who aren't Methodists or, or familiar with what confirmation is, it's a time when sort of you're coming of age in, in our religious tradition where you learn the key values and principles and understanding theological principles of, of our Christian faith and our Methodist tradition in particular, as, as I'm United Methodist. Um, and I was asked to teach in one hour, nonetheless. <clears throat> salvation. This is not going to end well. Whatever salvation. you have to teach in one hour can't be done. Salvation, free will, and the omnipresence of God. Right in one hour to sixth and seventh grade to sixty sixth and seventh graders. Those poor kids. <laughs> oh goodness. Can okay. Can while I believe that none of that can be taught in an hour. Can you give a quick definition of any of those to our listeners if they're not familiar with that? Or a yes. rough, if you like, guys, broad, broad, broad in, definition. I'll give it to you in 45 minutes. Here it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, salvation, in particular, they so so salvation is one of those uh, phrases that has lots of different meaning for lots of different people in the Christian tradition, uh, in, uh, in religious traditions in general, but specifically Christian. And, and for this, they gave me a, a, a curriculum to teach. And this particular one is the, is the, the idea of being born again. Um, that you're made anew, which is why this was so relevant to what we're talking about here. Um, there's a story uh, in in the Bible in, uh, about a guy named Nicodemus, and Nicodemus is a Pharisee, and he comes to Jesus. He, he This is right after Jesus throws the tables up in the temple, and he's upset with the way the church is treating people. And, and, and so anyway, Nicodemus apparently sneaks out in the middle of the night, comes out to Jesus, and he's really convicted and wants to be different. And uh, Jesus tells him, and this is the only place in the Bible that it talks about this, uses this phrase that you have to be born again in the spirit or born anew, uh, depending on which translation you read. And so this idea of salvation is that we are taken from what we were and 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 become something new as like a new creation, a new, a new self, that we see things differently, that we act differently. Um, but then what, so what comes up right next to that, and at least in our tradition, uh, we talk about free will. So free will is that not everything we do is predestined or, or organized by God, but not, that, that we have this ability to interact with the world and make decisions for good or for bad, for better, or for worse, for richer, or for poorer, uh, in sickness and health, you know, whatever we, we make our own decisions. And that's the idea of this free will. And so there's this relationship between, all right, I've been, I've identified that God loves me and I love God and I want to be different than I was before. That is the salvific act, the idea that God makes us new. But then we run into this thing, oh, but we make all these decisions on our own all the time. And sometimes they're bad decisions. Sometimes they're good decisions. And most of the time they're eh, decisions. Yeah, sometimes they just live in the world. Yeah, right. they just are decisions. <laughs> um, and, then, yeah. and then there's that the third component is this idea that God is always with us omnipresence. God is always with us. God is here. God is in the midst of this conversation. The people who are listening, God is in, in your, your vehicle, your space that you're in, that God is among all of us. And so we in this quandary, like, and this is what I'm trying to teach sixth and seventh graders. It's like, you've had this moment, you recognize God loves you and you love God and you want to be different than you were before. And then you start to have to make those decisions to be different than you were before. They're really hard to be different uh, than you were before. And then you know that God is with you all over the place. What do we do with this? And uh, one of the one of the kids uh, raised her hand and she's like, "Well, how do we know they're right decisions? 
And I was like, that's a, that's an excellent question. So I put it to the other sixth and seventh graders and I love, so the answers were amazing. I mean, some of them were kind of what you expect the, the Bible right? the Bible gives us some, you get to see other people's decisions. That's ultimately what the Bible is. The Bible is a collection of other people's decisions and you kind of get to see how it pans out and how God's in the middle of all of it and still loves these people, even though they make good decisions, bad decisions, eh, decisions. So you get to see that and you get to learn from it. You also get to be part of your church. So that someone said, oh, we got the church. Uh, you know, they, they can tell us, the preachers like myself um, could tell you how to be. And that's like, that's true too. Um, but then someone said, I really think it's like our friends. Uh, it's the people around us. Mm-hmm. And I said, that, that is the, that is the omnipresence of God. That is God's in your midst all the time. And that's not in a way that's supposed to like condemn you or convict you, mm-hmm. but in a way that supports you and encourages you in those life decisions. And so I thought about all that. I don't know if that covers what you enough about those three phrases, but when I think about this episode being on motivation uh, up against this idea of being new and uh, a new creation or a, a new year's resolution or being different than you were, or being more like who you really are. That's another one. I think a lot of people chase mm-hmm. like, this is who I am on the inside, but I can't be that person on the outside yet. I don't want to be that person on the outside. Um, that kind of, that kind of work um, kind of has to be something that you can't really do alone. That those are really hard things to do alone and that you need your omnipresent. You need your, your, your people with the, 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 in, in, if we just came out of Christmas, the Emmanuel, the idea that God is with us, um, mm-hmm. that we're not alone. Um, thanks to this podcast, uh, <laughs> it always like Evan up. and Lindsay, you, you guys are my with us, you know, when I, yeah. I the pre-recording of this show, I was kind of bummed from a meeting and Lindsay was there to pick me up and encourage me and help me, you know, set me, you know, give me some motivation to, to keep moving in the work to do. And I think that ultimately is a healthier response than new year's resolutions is, uh, is, you know, let's care for each other better as a community and encourage each other. It's probably obvious from the podcast that I'm uh, more of an extrovert, but in a lot of ways, that's where I draw a lot of motivation is with other people. So I make plans with people or partner with people on things. I was always that person in school when they announced a group project, I was thrilled because I got to work with people, which was fun. And all the people who are hard workers and introverts were like, oh my gosh, I have to do a group project. Uh, <laughs> and I always loved it because I felt like that was really life. Like it was collaboration. Like very rarely do you ever just go into your own world and produce something and then not have to get anything feedback wise or work with anybody else on it. It's not realistic. But that means that I had a, and continue to probably have a lack of internal motivation when it comes to certain things. So my question is this, how on earth do you guys motivate yourselves? I spend a lot of time talking about this with clients in my counseling practice. Your motivation Um, skills? Not my personal ones, just like that it's a question that's asked often. Like, how do I just motivate myself? I think that that's kind of a chicken or an egg concept. Like, do, are we able to, do we need to wait till we are motivated to create some sort of new habit, new version of ourselves, improve things, or do we just need to do it? And I think that it's less about motivation and more about 
consistency and I don't always love this word, but almost like a form of discipline. That's uh, what I was thinking too. To create this habit. Um, I don't, anytime I want to change something, I don't just wake up and go, you know what? I really feel like, you know, eating more vegetables or uh, going outside when it's 40 degrees because I want to move my body every day. Um, there's nothing that I'm like, hooray, this feels awesome. It's more about consistency. If that is something in particular that I want to change in my habits. Um, and, and so this idea of motivation, um, I really wonder if it's a false narrative that we've told ourselves that like, the day that I feel motivated is the day that I'm going to start um, altering my habits. Um, and I don't know about y'all, but I, I just don't wake up sometimes and like, you know what, I'm going to do something totally different and new and really hard because you know what? I really want to. It, it's it's kind of like every time I watch Ultimate Beastmaster or American Ninja what? Warrior and I'm like, I want to do that. It's an um, obstacle but, course show. Okay, I didn't know the first one. I mean, Ninja Warrior, gotcha. Beastmaster but what was the first one? Beast Beast, Ultimate Beastmaster. It's like even a harder version of American Ninja Warrior. Um, okay. But Thank I'm you for like, teaching me something new. You know, I'm that's I'm here to serve. Here to serve. <laughs> Beastmaster um, was also a 1999 action show. It was. Network television about a man who could talk to animals. So it could have gone either way. It, it, yes. It, it, these are... <laughs> Neither one was on my radar, but keep and going, I, Michael. And I, you know, I, I, I'm always ferrets. like, They're I'm ferrets. always like, they were cool when I was a kid. I'm always like, I want to do that. I want to, I, I want to push my body beyond what I think it's capable of doing, because I, I know it can. It could do it. That's like, so I have this motivation, but what it takes, along with motivation, is discipline. I, I would actually have to probably go to a gym and and like start training to do pull-ups and like increase my grip strength and like probably to radically change my eating habits and you know all that stuff like so so you know I, I think it's interesting to think about you know which comes first or how they work together motivation or discipline uh, because I think those two things you know go hand in hand with each other like you, you can't I don't think motivation alone will actually get you to make substantive change in your life. But I also think you can't have a discipline without motivation. I used the word consistency as well as discipline. And every time you said discipline, I kept trying to figure you, out why. She, she threw up in her, I could see her. She's not, not that, but I did feel physically. something stirring in my soul that I oh. was like, why does discipline feel like a weird word? in there or make me feel uncomfortable. It may make nobody else feel uncomfortable, but for me, anytime if, something if, makes if me feel a little if off. If you're United Methodist and your clergy, the word discipline probably makes you uncomfortable. <laughs> but I think that the word <laughs> discipline we have associated, and by we, I mean, connotation in society can be associated education, with- The education uh, world. But it know. can be associated with punishment um, so I think sure. of discipline in a negative way versus I, the word consistency to me feels a lot more approachable. 
Hmm. um, for me personally. And so that is why I think I, I kept replacing that word. Hmm. Um, and again, discipline may feel really healthy to a lot of other people. For me, there was just something in my spirit that each time we say that word that I'm like, that one just doesn't feel quite right. Clinical term, I think, is icky. I mean, I use that as in counseling sessions all the time. So the maybe clinical practice, word of practice is another good kind of yeah. synonym. Like okay. my my practice towards. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna push back. I'm gonna push back a little bit because I think you guys. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make some assumptions and then we could we could unpack it. You guys are both very what I would consider disciplined, consistent people. Okay. You, you are, you, you have, you have routines, you do things consistently, you set goals and regularly achieve them. Now, I don't know what's going on in your internal world, but this idea (laughs) that motivation and discipline are are interconnected and that you just have to do it in order to have it is a kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, oh, motivation isn't about feeling like you want to do something. You just kind of have to get up and do it. So you just have to have discipline. And they're, they're so similar to one another. So for somebody who... The concept of doing something feels unapproachable. Like I can't even get up to make myself do anything, right? And not in like a depressed way, just in I, I have a trouble starting. Is it the starting that's the problem? Is it the continuing that's the problem? Where where are we at there? For those who think differently than you guys do about these things, you have just said so it's 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 it, it's unconscionable that you could even interact with the concept of discipline and motivation if that's your attitude going forward with it. But that's what I'm saying is like, I think they're so connected. Like, like the idea that, that you could just, angle. right. <laughs> <laughs> that you could just somehow, you, like if you're sitting on the couch and you want to do with a couch to 4k or whatever, like, right. like that's a popular new year's resolution. Um, you, it turns out you, that staying on the couch is not couch to the 4k like like you actually have to physically get up and and but so the motivation to want to do it is not enough to actually get it done it takes practice too Mm -hmm. practice yeah structure consistency discipline The, the practice itself though without motivation also dies right it's it's sort of that it in and so you've got to have these things together. And what I wanted to get to, which I didn't get to, is what I think you what what I love about Evan is that I think, and what I love about these students that I taught, is it actually that motivation and practice really come out of support from your community. Like trying to do it by yourself for you to on your own to sit here and say, I'm gonna do a couch to 4K by March. Um it, it's it's gonna it's it's not impossible. I know people who've done it all by themselves, but I think you're gonna have a much richer experience if you if you get vulnerable and allow some people in on that challenge and 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 you guys challenge each other to to do it. And that that's a different kind of motivation than some external esoteric motivation where I think some people mm-hmm. are like just sitting there waiting for meditation motivation to seize them and yeah, draw them out of the couch human, you know does that make sense yeah. like like i also think that um what's hard for us a lot of times is that we focus only on the end goal and don't celebrate progress um and mm-hmm. we beat ourselves up about baby steps mm-hmm. that we have to take small steps 
to get to bigger goals. Um, and that can be, it's not like, you know, we're going to get up and all of a sudden be able to run a 4k tomorrow. If you've been on the couch forever, um, you have for two to, years yeah. with a mask on long johns. Yes. and long you, johns. I mean, I'll, I mean, you know, long johns. You... <laughs> I'm about to get some sweatpants. <laughs> I sweatpants. Got my flapjacks in my long johns this morning. <laughs> I mean, I think that it is, it would be really easy to get down on ourselves that the first day in, in that whole training series is, you know, walk this distance and jog for 30 seconds. I know, I know plenty of people that can say, I cannot believe I'm here. Why am I doing this versus look at what I did today. Today, I jogged for 30 seconds. That's, that's more than I did yesterday. Mm. Um, yeah. And I think also continual improvement. We can also honor things that, okay, if you ran for 30 seconds today and tomorrow, you still ran for 30 seconds and not 60 seconds. You didn't like necessarily get better every day. We can still celebrate that. Um, and you're in your two sentence journal at the end of the day, you can go back yeah, and look. I and ran say, again today. Two I mean, yeah. two sentence for me, journal thing. for me, I don't go. I, I mean, I run several days a week. I don't necessarily run faster every time I run. Yeah. And for the last five years, I run pretty steady pace. I'm not improving. I'm not getting faster and better, but I'm running consistently. Mm. And that too can be celebrated that I'm not improving in this, whatever hyper world of improvement looks like. So you're saying to me, it's probably not realistic that by the end of 22, I'm going to be able to free climb a tower with just hand grips. That's, I think you could do that, it. <laughs> it depends on it depends on how you start and that may, well that, and maybe that's not a good new year's resolution uh, but but maybe there's just no good that, new year's resolutions michael yeah, that's right. <laughs> according to me <laughs> according to, <laughs> according to other people maybe there are <laughs> improvement goals um we can just Growth can't use goals we don't want to use tr trigger words for okay for Lindsay, so. so then so i love it I love how different we all are because I'm primarily motivated by guilt and <laughs> other people. And you guys have some internal drive. Michael's really competitive against himself. That's always a really fun one. And you're really competitive externally. Are you competitive, Lindsay? Mm, we haven't played really. a lot of games together, so it's kind of hard for me to judge. Yeah, I have yeah. a hard time playing games people because I get a little... Yeah, no, I'm not that competitive. I think that... My only competition is that I want to be valued and seen. So I'm not necessarily competing oh. against other people. I'm just like competing against the like space around me that I want to be Ooh. valued and seen. So when we have a meeting that goes over before we record the podcast, that is like a direct <laughs> attack on everything that because you're not being valued because of your time and you're not being seen. This is all coming into a lens. This is good. Michael, we got to write this down. <laughs> This Lindsay, is like I when someone drops what they want for Christmas months ahead of time and you forget what it is. We got to write it down, Michael. <sighs> no, every I... year, every year I get a text message about October. Here's some ideas for Christmas. <laughs>
goodness. I just want to feel valued and seen. Wrap it up in a box. with. Some no, t- I'm just <laughs> saying that like I'm not competing against other people. I'm just like competing for space in the universe, you're, maybe. Whether or not you feel like you're being, that your existence matters. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. That That's off topic of this competition thing. No, I yeah. love it. I love it. Okay. <laughs> okay. So here, here's here's what I want to do. I have picked out three things oh, about motivation and habit that are practices, techniques, things that are popular. Okay. And okay. I would like for you, Michael and Lindsay, to review and critique them. So how there's one thing I can work? do. Is critique. Is critical. <laughs> Ask me no, 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 no. If you listen to our episode. That's right. Uh, I'm not critical. Fall, I'm just curious. You're curious. That's right. Practice curiosity. Okay. So. <laughs> I'm just having so much fun. I missed you guys so much. Oh, that's what happens when we're apart over the holidays. Yeah. Uh, so. Charles Duhigg wrote this book called The Power of Habit. Have either of you read it? I have not. Hmm. No. Okay. Uh, it's good. It's it's very good. He's a very good he's a very good author. Uh, he's very insightful. He he says uh, that there's a bunch of things that he breaks down, um, but I want you to review this one particular piece of it. Okay. So he talks about habit loops, which is like kind of the neurological pattern that governs habits and understanding Mm -hmm. what that is. He talks about the golden rule of habit change. So how you change habits, which is that you stop one habit, but you don't stop, you stop and replace. That it's important to not just focus on stopping, but you have to stop and replace because we always are going to have habits. The elimination Mm -hmm. of habits is not the goal. It is to have the habits be ones that are Redirect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, there we go. And then he talks about keystone habits. So what are the habits that cascade and help other habits? So, for example, if you are doing, if you're staying up really late and you can't stay awake during the day to do everything else and you're not focused, changing your sleep pattern would be a keystone habit because all other habits will suffer if you don't do this. So identifying what some of those are. And that's a gross oversimplification and probably incorrect way to describe his wonderful work and research. What are your thoughts? How do you think that impacts motivation? Quickly, because we have two more. I do think stacking habits um, is another phrase that's often used around this. Um, is a helpful idea that if you already have some habit that's working well, you know, if you're brushing your teeth at night, putting it and, and then like taking medication, washing your face, you know, things like that, that adding in a habit into a routine that's already there is creates a greater likelihood for success. Yeah. I, I, uh, so in the in during Lent, which is a, a a religious tradition, a time of preparation, a lot of Christians will choose to sacrifice something uh, during Lent. They'll give something up. So some people are like, gosh, one year I gave up every drink except for water, uh, which was really really hard. It's just this, that sounds kind of tragic. It, it was really hard, and then I decided to drive to New York uh, without any caffeine, and it was it was something else. But for Lent. Um, 
for Lynn. <laughs> that was your <laughs> anyway. I'm fasting from driving. I, I, I digress. With so caffeine. so fasting is also a, a rich tradition in religious traditions uh, of of foregoing food for a period of time, sometimes from day from sunrise to sunset for a week or month or period of time. And so there, we have these religious practices of taking away, and we spend a lot of time talking about those. Um, but we, in, in the ministry that I worked when I was with college students, we would we would equally yoke our sacrifice uh, practices like fasting and and uh, giving up of things. We balance them with with things like feasting and celebration. Uh, because uh, I think his point is correct. You're going to fill that space with habit, with ritual, with 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 practice, and sort of figuring out how do you balance your practices. And and here's the other thing: your practices are never going to be 100% healthy. As my my uh, my son is a health watch. He's like everything. He's like that's not healthy. Why are they doing that? I'm like, well, you eat frozen ego waffles. Those aren't healthy, but you still do it. Like we're you just never going to be 100% healthy and you're never going to be hundred percent right. Hey, and Austin so how do you balance? Empathy. Yeah. How he, he does. He's, he's, he's intolerant. He's religiously intolerant for, um, <laughs> for, for food and smoking. <laughs> smoking is the other one that he has a really hard time with, but Uh-oh. anyway, like you like, so learning how to balance those. So, so fast, yes, take away things so that you can value them again, but also feast with your friends and celebrate what you do have. So I, I think to that end, that kind of religious practice of, of both of those living together, I think are really important. And, and uh, I, I've been working with uh, young men, especially who've been wanting, trying to give up certain practices. Um, we've, we've worked to find other practices they could be involved in that would, that would take, take their mind off of those habits. The other thing I want to mention is that we all start with neurological. This is this is not just a psychological endeavor. It's not just a an issue of your will or your community resources or your ability, but but many of our practices are neurologically ingrained. So we have neurological patterns, the way in which our our neurons that the the cells inside of our brain connect to each other and and where we where our brains get um, dopamine and injections of, of hormones that make us feel good and excited and kind of reward the system. All of that is, 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 is chemically based, is neurologically based. And so you have to break those habits too. So it's not just about your willpower, but it's also about the chemistry of it all. And so learning how to redirect those neurons and create new patterns that, that give you that sense of dopamine, that, that sense of, this is great. Like eating a donut, you know, releases a lot of chemicals in your brain that says, oh, this is amazing. This is wonderful. This is awesome. Uh, but cardiovascularly, eating a donut is not good for you. And so is there something else you can replace that with that gives you that same sense of fulfillment and, and energy? Donut holes. <laughs> okay, That's, next one. Yeah, de- donut depriving, gum. Sorry. depriving yourself of something, um, taking something away is just... Uh, uh, it's like discipline. That feels like discipline. Well, I mean, it's almost it's like <laughs> just, scarcity or to... punishment model. Yes, that like... yes. And it never lasts. Like I know people no. who will do those crash diets and they'll be like, I'm just going to eat nothing but but apples and nuts. And they lose weight. But who can live off of apples and nuts? I mean, it's a scripture. Mean, Maid cannot live off of apples Daniel. and pecans. Yeah. But... Depends on the nut, <laughs> probably. Well... Okay, so I think that we're we're unpacking it because what I what I want to get to is the how do we get past for motivation 
either just don't do the thing that you don't want to do or do the thing that you should do. That's that's not typically helpful. If your friend asks you for advice and you're like, what should you do? You're like, well, I don't want to do that anymore. Okay, don't do it. Not very supportive. So here's another tactic. Get friends like Lindsay who will say, why don't you want to do it? Ooh, yeah, unpack. I love it. I, I also think that sometimes we just, um, this want to or don't want to, um, we're not going to just, like I said before, not just going to like wake up really wanting to do things. Um, <laughs> I set an alarm on my phone in the winter um, to wrap up work and go for a run. Like I put it on my calendar and set an alarm um, because I'm not in the middle of my work. Go, you know what? Outside at 40 degrees looks real enticing. You know what I want to do right now is go running. Well, this never is has Michael ever said <laughs> <laughs> ever said, you know, this looks enticing. I'd like to go for a run. <laughs> Just maybe our new year's goals is should we should all find some uh, charity 5k and run it together. Absolutely. No way. I am going to try the two week journal to two, two, two sentence journal thing though. That really would be fun for us that. to do. I can handle that. Run a 5k oh, together and we could record while we run. Okay. This is it. We'll do a podcast while we go together and it'll just be a if bunch the Lord of wanted me to run. He'd give me different legs. Yeah. You'll get to hear a lot of <laughs> throw up analogies and then you'll actually get to hear me throw up. Um, okay. Okay. Keep going, Evan. Sorry. We took well, I don't, track. I know we're, I know we're running out of time. So we've got to get, we got to get the people the tips. Have you ever heard of temptation bundling? No. Okay. I did your face makes me think of something else. That okay. sounds like something Verizon would do. Okay. It sounds like something that uh, a churchy language around something yeah, that I'm probably yeah. going to roll my eyes. It about. does. It's not. It's academic. It's academic. And it's well researched. And you guys are actually going to really like this. So I'm going to say all three of the researchers' names because saying just one and then at all never feels fair to the people at the end. So True. Catherine Milkman, Julia Minson, and Kevin Volp. I apologize on pronunciations. Did this research and the. <laughs> The topic is holding the Hunger Games hostage at the gym, an evaluation of temptation bundling. Okay, now that I have your attention. Temptation bundling is taking something that is a, has kind of some addictive or desirable qualities, pairing it with an activity that you should do but have a hard time getting over the hump on, uh, and then seeing if there's improvement. So the example was that the college students could go to the gym, and they checked out an audiobook and they could listen to The Hunger Games, a fast-paced young adult novel about a dystopian future that we're rapidly careening into in real life. And <laughs> we <laughs> And so uh, then they would do that. And so they studied the control group and they'd done it with Harry Potter and other things like that. And the people who had the ability to check out the audiobooks had a statistically much higher rate of going to the gym and achieving their goals and things like that by taking something interesting and you only do it in that context. Um, so an example would so be... So like eating Krispy Kreme donuts while on the treadmill, was that an example? Sure. As long as you don't... As long as you eat the same amount of Krispy Kreme donuts that you would in a day normally, yes. If you eat... <laughs> and then it becomes a negative. To, a net negative. Right, exactly. If you were going to eat three anyways, it's better to eat them on the treadmill than it is on the couch, right? Like, I mean, really, it, it does pair up well together. Um, 
to watching a TV show that is really like gripping and binge watching, but only binge watching said TV show while you're exercising is like w- another thing that people have done. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of people that do that one. Mm. Only scheduling your vacations, like, you know, scheduling a vacation and doing the planning after you know it's a stressful season of work, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I know that this is going to be stressful, so I'm going to pair this up and anticipate it. What do we think about that? I mean, I I sort of like that. Um, I think that the reward mentality, it's kind of a reward mentality, which sort of works depending on how it's fully executed. So I'm going to say maybe. Okay. I think it's a little different than reward because uh, we do know there's a lot of research that it's called tokenism. Like, so particularly mm-hmm. in, in learning situations, like uh, a lot of elementary schools use token. They use a token mechanism. Like if you have good behavior, you get a star, you get so many stars, you get this. We actually know that it never actually, it's, it, it, it does not work. It does not improve behavior. It does not improve learning. And yet we still do it. Um, that, that to I mean, me I is appreciated a bit, it always because I always, because you always followed had all the, the stars. rules and yeah. I got all the stars and then I got all the things. Exactly. See, exactly. What I wanted to get into the rich keep getting richer. And that's <laughs> Lindsay's the Did rich. Did you ever have to change your, change your color on the stoplight in the behavior thing in elementary school? I mean, I'm sure I did because I'm an extrovert. Down. I'm sure I talked to somebody, but I'm a rule follower. So I'm sure if I was told oh, to stop talking, I stopped talking and I then got I probably detention. got a token. I got detention one time in my life. Wow. In kindergarten, for this girl sat in front of me and she had pigtails and she was doing like this. And they just were so, he's I'd bounce his head back he's, and forth. He, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. She's bouncing her head back and forth and the pigtails are just like flapping in front of my head. And I just reached up and I yanked the pigtails because that's what you would do. Like they're just there to yank on. <laughs> and I got detention. So you got um, detention in kindergarten? I did. That seems uh, ruthless, doesn't it? That does seem ruthless. Pulling a girl's hair. Ah, he just pulled her hair. Ruthless. I also love that that's the only time you ever got detention. Yes. Okay. I mean, I never got detention either, ever. Not even in kindergarten, but yeah. So Lindsay, on the fence about temptation, but Michael thinks it has so, some practical well, application. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think I think what I'm, I'm distincting is trying to disentangle is this idea that it, I, I think it's not so much token it, like the where i see that run amok it's like um someone might be able, like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna eat healthy all week and then i'm just gonna let it go on the weekends all right that that neurologically if you think about your neurological patterns are set up over time and routine that disrupts any remapping of those neurons because you go right back into that dopamine cycle uh... where you're eating this stuff. so right so that that's where it runs amok I think this idea that um, this idea of doing something that you enjoy along with something that's harder to enjoy so that you could do them together, I think has a little bit more lasting reward um, to it. And and it's something I enjoy doing. I know you do too, because you love to get on your bike and, and watch, watch movies, not, not a, a stationary bike. He's not watching movies while he's biking out in public but. <laughs> just while i'm driving down the interview. <laughs> oh goodness okay i like i like temptation bundling i have found it to be uh, really effective uh, i tried i started doing it five or six years ago uh and it 
was a game changer for me uh, because it was something that I was going to do anyways. And so I might as well, something about that like reasoned in my brain. If you're going to be doing this, you might as well be doing this not on the couch on the stationary bike. Like you're going to watch this show. You're going to read this book. You, there's really no reason why you shouldn't just do it on here. And then I only watched, I, then I morphed it to where I only watched certain shows when I was exercising. So, and I only picked really intense, fast paced, good shows. So when I wanted, I ended up exercising a lot more because I was like, shoot, I want to watch the next episode. Like it ended on a cliffhanger. I can't stop my workout now. And so then I was getting further and further in. So this, this is an interesting one. I found it. If you are a consumer of media, it's a great uh, thing. I think everybody is at this point. I mean, at this point in life though, I mean, how sickening is it that like, I'm proud of myself that I'm not looking at my phone and paying attention to the TV. Like that was something that fired off in my brain the other day. I was like, I'm just playing on my phone while the TV's going. And I put down my phone and just watch TV. And I was like, good job, Evan. You're just <laughs> watching TV. And I was like, it's hard to do that. I have such a bad so far. <laughs> Oh god! Right? Uh, I mean, isn't that crazy? That's I almost. have that internal dialogue with myself all the time. Like I, I, I was like, "Good job! You're just rotting your brain on the television." Okay, so the last one is this. Um, tell me what you think here. Uh, it's two things connected. Are you familiar with the one minute rule? Are we um, I'm reading this here? off of somebody's blog, so I'm going to give somebody credit here, real quick. They may not have come up with it, but. Um, I'm busy being awesome.com. Whoever makes that <laughs> sounds like Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> this is Lindsay's blog. Uh, it is not my blog. I've not like blogged in might, a long time. It might now be. that I think about it. I don't know if this is an ad or if this is a real person. So uh, I think this is quality. I think it's ADHD. An audio blog. It's it's resources for people with ADHD. So there we go. Uh, there's a woman named Paula, and she has a picture. So thanks for writing this article, Paula. Uh, so the one-minute rule— Paula. Yeah, thanks, Paula. The one-minute rule suggests that whenever you come across a task or see anything that you could accomplish in one minute, if it's possible for you to do it in one minute or less, you do it immediately. I mean, I have heard similar of—I don't know what people have called it, but kind of like— you know, don't pass go type chores. Sure. Where, you know, if you have something that you need to file away or do or move off the counter, like you don't need to move it twice. Just do it once and be done. I mean, I, I'm just going to be honest. I don't know if there's, I mean, there are a thousand things that can be done in a minute. Are they worth being done? Um, no, 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 no. It's not anything. But, but, it's not anything. It's just things that you well, need to do or should do. I think do. The, the inverse of that, I mean, I think it's perfectly fine. If that motivates you to do something that could be done in a minute. I, th- I mean, I think it's, I, I think you're to the point that um, I, I'll just, for myself, I know like when I was working on like big term papers, um, you know, big papers that need to be completed, like large projects, you know, and you're just like, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't do it. Um, that would often say, okay, well, you you can at least work on the title page or you could, you could work on the work cited page and that only take a couple of minutes. And then once you get into it, then you're like, okay, so I did that. I got that done so I can do something else yeah. within it. And the so that kind thing. of like feeding, and I do that with the kids uh, because I think uh, my kids generally feel completely overwhelmed with cleaning their rooms. Um, and it's just like the worst thing you could ever ask them to do is to pick up their toys. 
and so I found for them, what works great is like, you know what, guys, I don't care. We don't have to finish. We're just going to spend five minutes cleaning your room. That's it. Mm-hmm. Just five minutes. That's the and next thing. Michael. Yes. Oh, see, I'm going to write a blog and you can thank it's, me. It's also the next thing of like setting a timer of doing it for so long. It's called the Pomodoro technique. And um, there's actually several apps out there that are really great that if you get distracted easily, you can, I mean, I like the app. I set it up so that it runs for 25 minutes. And so I'm like, I can be in the zone on this project for 25 minutes. It also helps you batch things, which means like staying in the zone of one thing. Like I don't need to be in a project. And then when my email dings, check my email, do other things, which is all kind of off topic of habits and resolutions in some ways, but also sort of on topic. Well, it's not off topic at all. I mean, the, 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 the making the resolution is the easy part. <laughs> it's the, the executing the execution of it. Yeah. That is it's typically a, it's the, the practice, the consistency of it. That really yeah. is the, is the hard part when it comes to making any kind of changes in your life. Well, there it is that, that, that one minute. So if you, if it's something that you should do and that you need to get done and it'll take less than a minute, just go ahead and do it. There's your, there's the challenge. And then five minutes, give yourself five minutes uh, good, a good practice that I've seen when we used to come home from work was when you walk in the door, tidy for five minutes. No matter what, the first thing you do when you walk in the door is always tidying for five minutes. Now go to the bathroom or do whatever, but you always do that. And then that started doing tidy for five minutes and drink a glass of water, right? Like, so, you know, those two things, you can see how it kind of builds and snowballs. So the snowball effect of a keystone habit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just thinking about... uh our next episode of like talking about snowballing of all this. Um, we're next going to talk about accountability. Wow. Well, there you go. Isn't that wild? So how that worked we'll out. talk, we'll talk more about how we're going to, you know, do all these habits. Cause we're starting to get in the trenches of like, okay, we've said we need one another. We've said, you know, how do we uphold all of this next episode? We're talking accountability. Done. That, that would be like how to receive it and how to Which offer it. Sep- separate, se- separate soapbox. Accountability is not my favorite word either. We're we're already off to a great start. We're just so starting just, this. I love this it. Year. <laughs> I love it. It's a, this, it's like y'all wrote a list of second half of this season is things Lindsay doesn't like. You know, you got a you got Oprah's favorite things. You got Lindsay's Lindsay's least Lindsay. favorite things. That's my least favorite Jeopardy category for sure. I didn't realize I had so many strong feelings until we started this podcast. And then it's like, I have the free space and y'all ask me and I'm like, let me tell you all my thoughts. I love it. I love it. Well, that's a cliffhanger ending then. So ladies and gentlemen and everybody else in between, look forward to the next episode. And you get to learn more what Lindsay doesn't like. Exactly. <laughs> We're, we're, we're into it. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks for all the comments and likes and reviews and a uh, little encouragement along the way. We really do appreciate it. And a big old thanks to Justin Patton who produced this episode and did the music. He's been mixing up the music stuff. We've had some like varied music, some interlude music, uh, and uh, it's been awesome. So Justin, uh, thank you so much for everything that you're doing. And we just hope that you just have the best new year ever. And in February when you're probably listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> Realize that dated the and, episode. And, and I just like to remind you, uh, if you missed a New Year's resolution in January, the Babylonians didn't really do theirs till March. So you could <laughs> you could practice your New Year's resolution in March with the Babylonians. And and my closing comment, New Year, 
It can be old you. Doesn't need to be new you. <laughs> I'm taking an index card's <laughs> worth of information into the new year. That's it. Like a test. I can write everything I need Goodness. on a three by five card. So we will see you later. Thanks. 